Our reading this morning is from the poetry of May Sarton. Alex Bussinger will share. Return to the most human. Nothing less will nourish the torn spirit, the bewildered heart, the angry mind. And from the ultimate duress, pierced with the breath of anguish, speak of love. Return, return to the deep sources. Nothing less will teach the stiff hands a new way to serve, to carve into our lives the forms of tenderness and still that ancient, necessary pain preserve. Return to the most human. Nothing less will teach the angry spirit, the bewildered heart, the torn mind, to accept the whole of its duress and pierced with anguish, at last act for love. In the midst of a world that is marked by tragedy and beauty, there must be those who bear witness against destruction and for tenderness. Have compassion for everyone that you meet, even if you're sure they don't want it or deserve it. What seems like conceit or bad manners or cynicism is always a sign of things no ears have heard or eyes have seen. You do not know what wars are going on down where the spirit meets the bone. So forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That, my friends, is how the light gets in. So please join me in letting these words sink into us today and again this year. These words from my colleague Rebecca Parker and the poet Miller Williams and the song poet Leonard Cohen words that I will open my sermons with this year until we tire of them or the world gets better so we don't need them anymore, <laughs> or both. So a question to start our sermon together. We of beyond damaged by presidential election cycle ears, like my ears just fell off back in, in June. And we have thirsty for some good word in the midst of a summer that seems to keep breaking our heart and maybe even our hope. With terror in Orlando this summer and Nice 
and in Syria and Iraq and black lives killed and police lives killed and the debate about whether Banner should say all lives matter or black lives matter, stealing our attention away if we let it from the problem we have with racism in our lives. Because remember, the definition of privilege is not having to think about privilege, which is a tall, white, straight guy I know something about. And I think I have some company. All this news drying up my heart and your heart to bear witness, like Rebecca says, against destruction and for tenderness. Not unlike the drought that has turned my grasshopper green spring fir trees that I planted in May, brown and brittle come August, cracking in my hand when I tested them for life. Just like dust, I could just blow it off my hand. hard summer in our world. I'm not one of those ministers, just so you know, who believes that God has a plan. But what if, as Mary Oliver says in our cover quote, what if God's plan was that we would do better? That we would do better. Which leads me to wonder here in the opening pages of our church year together, my, my 14th with you, and are 331st on this hill. Wow, huh? Impressive. This question, where's the love? A question given me this week when against my better judgment I kept NPR turned on and after ad nauseum stories about Hillary's basket of deplorables and pneumonia and Trump revealing his body mass index to me, but not his taxes or his actual plans for the world. And me about to turn it on to turn hit number six on the dial to kiss 108 because Justin Bieber is, is practically better than this. <laughs> Almost. NPR switch gears and queued up its interview with Will I Am of Black Eyed Peas, who rewrote their chart-topping song from 2003 in response to this summer of heartache and heartbreak. The interview on NPR, which is about the last place you'll hear anyone rap, may be followed by a church in Sherburn, starting with this song. Killing people dying Children hurting I hear them crying Can you practice what you preaching Would you turn the other cheek again Mama, mama, mama Tell her what the hell is going on Can't we all just get along God is from above Cause people got me, got me questioning Yeah, what's going on with the world, mama? Yeah, people living like they ain't got no mama I think they're all just 
you hate, then you're bound to get irate. Madness is what you demonstrate, and that's exactly how hate works and operates. And you know, whether or not this kind of song is your kind of thing, because for some of us it is, it's like finally black eyed peas in church. And for others of you, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> Two messages. Welcome to a community where I sing your hymn and you sing mine. And another message. Did you hear with me the lines? What's going on with the world, mama? Where's the love? People living like they ain't got no mamas. Where is the love? I think they all distracted by the drama and attracted to the trauma. Where's the love? That last line in particular, distracted by the trauma, by the drama and attracted to the trauma, so succinctly sums up the spiritual price we pay for the 24-hour news feeds that report to us daily stories of the broken world and then who we end up are at risk of reflecting back that brokenness we see. And what it looks like in me, I don't know about you, is a shard of resentment over here, just a sliver of resignation over there, an eye roll of whatever, not my neighborhood, whatever. Or sometimes a draw of the shades down in my stay safe in the suburbs over there in Holliston. Not for nothing is our worship theme, not the hokey pokey, but about putting your whole self in. Because we're broken, you and me. I recognize it in my life. It, it leads me to pull back when I'd rather reach out. It, it leads me to expel other people as opposed to including them. Hello, 2016 politics. My family in Missouri. Uncle Paul, you're, you're what? Who are you? You're voting for whom? Whatever, Uncle Paul. That dulls me into play it safe instead of speaking up and speaking out, forgetting that I was never meant to survive. And maybe, worst of all, that, that this is what happens to me, a brokenness in me that regards a question like this, where's the love, as a, as a quaint conceit in a pop song, or, or what I'd find in the CVS aisle where the greeting cards are rather than a question that we're supposed to ask with our, an answer with our life, actually. How we spend our time. What do we own? What do we say? What do we don't say? What we stand up for? Whether we choose to define ourselves against or define ourselves with. Where's the love? Would someone get an answer by being around you? That's what I want to know. Would someone get an answer by being around me? Where's the love? Do you get an answer when you come here to church? Because I hope so. Because if we don't do that, we are failing at our primary job. Forget 
the chalices and the ministers and the stoles and all of that. If we don't help you answer the question, where's the love, then we are failing. But the we is not me. The we is us. The we is you. Now, during early July, my family and I went on vacation through Southern California, which in addition to the fresh fish tacos and the quiet peace of parasailing hundreds of feet above the ocean water, we saw the sunfish Karen and I did. It was amazing. And standing over David Bowie's star on Hollywood Boulevard, also included a week of turning off, where is this thing? I turned it off. No news notifications. Oh, it was just, you know that feeling? Just that, like the feeling opposite of how you're feeling in, the san- in this hot sanctuary right now, just like, oh, it's just so peaceful. But all too soon, the week was up and the flight home beckoned, and the time came to turn our devices back on to order the Uber ride to the airport, including the prompt at the end of the online order in order to thwart hacking that said, quoting here, please add one plus four and put your answer here to prove you're human. (laughs) Is it five? (laughs) And while I was proving that I was human, in came the news notifications of that week. It was like the, the week of 4th of July, okay? It was after that, after Orlando, during that week. And, and Trump was raging again about the Mexicans, and there's the Facebook Live feedo, video of Philando Castile being shot by the officer in Minnesota. And then, like a day later, there was the Black Lives Matter protest, and five police officers were killed. It's like, Karen, oh my God, what the hell is going on? I turned on the phone. What the hell is going on? Distracted by the drama, attracted to the trauma. Where's the love? So five minutes later, up rolls this black suburban, and the trunk pops open, and out strides a five-foot-two Latino man in his early 60s. Hola, he says. Hola, I say, and in that moment, I extinguish all of the Spanish that I know. (laughs) Which is embarrassing. It's embarrassing that I can only speak one language and get along fine. So two teenagers in our house means that we have more bags than ever. So kids and Karen and I, or kids with Karen are squashed in that, middle, in that middle row, yeah? And I get to ride in the, in the passenger seat next to Antonio, and I, and I see his name because his ID card is clipped onto the air conditioning vents, which are blasting air into our faces during this ever too warm summer. The airport is only 35 miles away, but in Southern California, that, that means we're in for a long ride. And the great blessing of technology means that Antonio via Uber can take us cheaper than any taxi could to the airport, and he can make some extra cash. But the downside of technology means that the whole family, if so desired, could plug in our headphones and drift, onto the, drift off into the ether of the internet and never have to talk to strangers like Antonio or even each other. Quick aside, maybe it's, start, it's time that we started to judge just how much progress, all this progress is supposedly giving us. I'm just saying. 
but maybe because I can't bear to look at the news anymore, even after that brief moment, and maybe because I want to do something more than math to prove that I'm human, I dropped the phone into the bag, and I turned to Antonio, and of course, I assume he will speak English, and I'm proven right. So how long have you been driving for Uber, I say? Two years, he says, and the profile of his face, I see his eyes kind of like, they're actually talking to me. He's actually talking to me. Two years, bueno, good, it's, it's good. I, I, it helps me put my kids through college. Yeah, how many, I say? Three, but this is for the last one, he says, UCLA, and then he just, he just beams with pride. And I say, do you do this all day? And he says, no, 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 after my first job. I get off at three from the warehouse, and then I do this from four to nine, and every weekend. Bueno, it's good. Wow. Does this schedule impress you? Impress me. It humbled me. It saddened me. because Antonio never gets any time off. And he's working like this for his child, so his child can get a college degree that will mean, hopefully, that his child won't have to work as hard as Antonio does. And as he talks more about his life easily and without any complaint at all, telling me how he came across the border in the 80s, and then because there's nothing there for him in Mexico. And it was easy then. He even, he even welcomed... He said he was welcomed here. He was welcomed here. So he got his first job, and then he sent for his wife who came over, and she got a job. And then they bought a house, and then she got pregnant with child number one, and then number two, and then number three. And they took English classes, and they entered the citizenship process because this is an amazing country, Antonio said to me. He says, I, I have everything I could have ever dreamed for. I have a house, I have a family, I have a car. Even though he says everything changed after 9-11. And everyone from everywhere thought that people like me was a threat, he said. So I'm listening to Antonio in rush hour traffic, and I'm thinking all kinds of things. How I just got more time off in a week than Antonio has gotten in like years. Okay? And why is it or how is it that I so rarely get opportunities to talk to someone like Antonio? My life, my life like this narrow set of circles that keeps me restricted from talking to people who are different than I am, making it hard to prove that I'm human, never mind math. And this year, what, what must it be like for Antonio and his family this year, this season, when people like him have been so targeted and so scapegoated in our politics, along with almost every single other identity group except for people who look like me. So often I'm attracted by the drama and attracted to the trauma that I don't have conversations like these. Where's the love? You know, it's funny, not as in ha-ha, but as in strange, that even as a religious professional who went to school for 
like half of my life and learned in school that the kind of love that we're supposed to strive for is much less eros, which is about affection and desire, and much more about agape, which is unconditional, which means to see people and their inherent worth. It's strange that I tend not to speak of love in moments like these with Antonio. I mean, it would be weird, right? Antonio, can I just say how driving your car for your child all of this time is an act of love? Antonio, I love how willing you are to share some of your life with me. Antonio, I feel like a loving thing to say to you right now, now that we're here at the airport, is I can't imagine how it feel must feel for you this year. Antonio, I'm sorry. I mean, it would be weird to say all that, wouldn't it? I mean, would it? Would it feel weird? Would it, Nathan? Would it? Or maybe it's exactly, it's exactly the kind of thing that I'm supposed to say to prove that, that I'm still human. So the truck rolls to the curb and it's, it stops a fourth of a mile away from the terminal because apparently they're not allowed. The Uber folks are not allowed. And he says, everybody yells at me when this happens. And he gets all the bags out for us. And I mean, he had given us like water. He had chilled water in the back that he had given us along the ride. And I said, Antonio, don't worry about it. Hey, um, I say to him, thanks for the ride. Can, can I just say something that's maybe going to sound a little weird to you? Antonio, I love how willing you've been to talk about yourself to me. You know, you've got, you've got so much love for your family. It shows. And now that we're, we're almost here to the airport, <laughs> <laughs> we're almost there, I, I just need to say one thing to you. I can't imagine how it must feel for you to hear all of this hate in politics this year. I'm sorry, Antonio. When I get back to work, I will talk about it. I wanted you to know. Thank you, he says, and he presses his hand into mine. Where's the love? You know, right now it's, it's early in California. It's back in a suburban in Southern California. Where's the love? It's in the conversation that I had with Antonio. Where is the love? It's in that brief moment of risk when I shared with Antonio how I was feeling. Where's the love? 
It is in all the conversations and moments and messages and rides and protests and letters and smiles and hands pressing into hands that don't, that don't get any headlines, that don't get a sermon, that don't make the news feed on these wonderful, terrible devices. But all of it promising to make us stronger, as Hemingway says in our quote outside, making us stronger in our broken places. Where is the love? Well, if we're not distracted by the drama and attracted to the trauma, we can answer that. It is just waiting for you and for me to practice. We are just waiting, I know, to prove that we are human once again. And it is good to practice with you. That is why we come here to a place like this. So I want to say to you, as I said last week, welcome home here, where we get in this home to practice how and when to become the people that we say we most want to be. Say with me, amen. <laughs>